Hello and welcome once again to Podcast in the Woods. As always, I am your host, Boomer, and joining me is the amazing and wonderful Gabby. Gabby, how are you doing this evening? I am wonderful, friend. How are you? I'm doing quite well and excited for the topic that we're going to talk about today because... I bet you are, pervert. Yeah, there's there's been several times when we've we've said, oh, it's gotta get sexy in podcast in the woods. But today that is especially true because we are delving into 1987's Hellraiser today, which is fucking amazing. The okay. horniest fucking movie ever made. It's definitely one of them. Now, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> I've definitely seen some crazy stuff in my time, so. Uh, it may not be the uh, the weirdest or kinkiest or <laughs> never mind. Like, let, 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 let's let's not go into that. But it's certainly <laughs> <laughs> this movie about dirty, painful sex and blood. I Welcome am... <laughs> to podcast in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> I've kind of just outed myself there, uh, but that's that's all right. That's staying in. Um, Whoever likes hurting people. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what? This has totally gone in a direction. True, I completely made this up. This has gone in a direction that I did not expect. (laughs) I think that we should give a disclaimer that welcome back to Tipsy Podcast in the Woods. We have been sober for the past few weeks and we are not today. Cheers, friend. That is true. That is is true. Sorry. well, but no, I uh, I did not expect that, but I I did kind of <laughs> I did kind of love it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, it's Anybody this in is in need of a dungeon master. Welcome, it's time to get oh. <laughs> my, God. my my best my best pinhead impression. But we're gonna Damn. try some. Yeah, we'll, we're we're gonna try some more of that later. We'll we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> let's just get on track here. So, you know, when I put this out there, uh, because, of course, I did it at the last minute. Thank God that I did do this and ask for the comments, because, Gabby, you know, I was I was really bad at that for a time there. But I did put this out there at, the, like, the very last second. You also second. know that I did pay no attention to social media. So, yeah, you were terrible. I don't yeah. know. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Awful. But there, there was a comment, though, that stuck out to me saying that uh, this is probably a very taboo film at the time when it was released in 87, but really doesn't yeah. hold up as far as that aspect today. Um, do you think that's true? Yeah. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I think that in terms of like sexuality and openness and individuality and owning your identity, It just, it is one of the things along with um, taxes that changes every fucking year. Every year it's a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more is accepted. So I know that was a really funny joke, wasn't it? It Taxes and BDSM, (laughs) that always changes. Whips and no, chains about, and filing your forms. No, 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 not just whips and chains. I'm just talking about sexual identity. Right, right, I think that right. Every year it changes and people get a little bit more comfortable with who they are. If you like to fuck a refrigerator, if you like to put fucking 
jumper cables on a bitch's nipples, it, you know, every year it becomes a little bit more and more acceptable and that's good. And I'm glad, but yeah, I agree with that comment. BDSM back in the eighties, you know, we were too busy doing Coke. We didn't have time for that. We didn't have time for sex. We didn't have time for kinks and things like that. So I say we, it was like eight at the end of the eighties. Um, (laughs) banging rails and not thinking about BDSM. Um, But I think that I do think that, and anybody in the BDSM community, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that this is a BDSM movie. I think this is straight up S&M. Like this is master slave. This is dominant submissive. This is pain and tolerance. This is not, but again, I mean, we grew up in, the 90s, the era of the VHS porn, you know, I mean, even Jenna Jameson did a fucking BDSM porn video. Like, I mean, everybody did it and everybody got into it. And I mean, who doesn't like a little smack every once and again? Damn. But I think that maybe back then it wasn't something that you talked about, but now, I mean, sexuality is just so free and fluid and open and who cares? So I get that. I get that comment. I wish that I had been this age when this movie came out, though. Oh, yeah. Because I was a kid. I would love to have seen, like, there are a couple scenes in this that are titillating just because they are. I mean, sex is sex. It's hot. I like it. And I I can see that, too. That would definitely have been a different experience at that time being an adult I, and I can see the critics being like oh my <laughs> you know did you imagine Siskel and Ebert's reaction when they first saw this yeah I'm, I'm sure you know Holy Roger Ebert yeah I could have pulled that up I, I didn't do it because uh notoriously I'm terrible at doing research for these things but I'm I'm, I'm sure it would have been it would have been interesting and you know you're right and I believe exactly the the comment is right it may not be as shocking as it was in in that time frame but this movie does have a certain aesthetic uh, a certain tone that still does translate to this day like all these years later thing that makes me feel the and the only way that i can describe it is it like it makes me feel far away if, the, if that makes any any kind Perfect of sense, sense. whatsoever sense. Yeah, uh, it's so strange and I love it for it. I, I don't know how to feel about this movie sometimes. I love it. And I'm not saying it like that negatively. I'm saying that in a, in a completely positive way that uh, this movie gives me goosebumps uh, to to this very well, day every single disorienting. time. Yeah. yeah, no, completely. You can't say that it's dis- that it's disorienting because there's not a whole lot going on at any given time. It's just there's this movie is very surreal and God bless the cinematographers and the, uh, I mean, hands and knees and praise the practical effects people on this movie. I mean, like this movie is so good as far as that stuff goes, but when you have that and, you know, back then when you're watching it brand, brand new and now watching it through like a, a diehard horror fan's eyes you're seeing probably the best practical effects 
of the late 80s. I'm not going to say the entire 80s because the thing came out in 82. So, um, right. Yeah. I mean, like there were a lot of great practical effects in the 80s. But for this was just insane. And this movie is very nightmarish. It's very dreamlike. It's very surreal. So I get that completely. Yeah. 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 Major props uh, for this because there's not a whole lot of movies that can make me feel something every single time that I watch it. And this one is one of the ones that does it. And uh, again, I can't I can't explain totally why, but it's it's amazing. Uh, but it's speaking of feeling things and I don't know what your first experience with this is. And so I'm, I'm interested. What did you see this when you were younger or what was your first experience with Hellraiser like? Don't remember. I don't remember. I um I know that probably the beginning of COVID was the first time I watched this movie all the way through. Oh wow, okay. Um yeah, I it's as far as I remember. I don't remember this movie from when I was a kid. I don't remember it from when I was a young adult. I remember it was COVID. I had nothing else to do. I was watching every single movie ever made. And I was like, oh, I'm going to rewatch Hellraiser. And there were scenes that I was like, I've never seen this part. I don't know this. And so I don't think that I ever saw this straight through until COVID. I'm not a gore person. You can slap my ass, but I'm not a big BDSM person. That's not something that really gets me. I do love a lady mullet. And Julia has that in Oh, she, she does. Um, and some beautiful eyes oh, as well. Oh, Julia. I just, I, this was never anything that was really, you know, I didn't, I, it, this never appealed to me. So yeah, the first time I remember watching it all the way through was sometime over COVID. And I was just like, oh, okay, I watched it. Gross. Thanks. And then I watched it again with you. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that, it, that experience. I had so much fun watching that with you. Uh, but th yeah, this was something that I saw in my formative years when I was a younger teenager. And again, I watched. What uh, is that like for a young boy? <laughs> I had. Uh, little bastards. <laughs> exactly. I had a, a very <laughs> unexplainable boner through my. <laughs> You know, it was it was quite the experience watching this because I did. I, I saw this probably 13 or, or 14 years old. And I've told you and the listener several times that there there was not a whole lot of filter to my watching. But this was one of them. My, my parents would not allow me to watch this. But I went to a friend's house and his parents, mm. his parents had this movie on VHS. And I bet so, they did in their yeah. bedroom under the mattress. <laughs> This has nothing to do with your experience. And I'm not saying to listeners, I'm not saying that this is something that um, Booms has participated in. Maybe he did. Maybe oh, he did. here, here we business. go. Hey, yo. Are circle jerks real? I mean, I'm sure that they're absolutely real and a good time, but I've never participated in them. Mm, but you would like to. No, <laughs> fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Well, you just said you think that they would be a lot of fun. Well, I'm, you know, if 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 you you know you're into that sort of thing, and as we've as we've already discussed with this film, teach your own. You said it would be fun. <laughs> IMDb, no. <laughs> 
no kink shaming on podcast in the woods. However, booms, this doesn't matter. You're going to cut all of this out because you're embarrassed. No, I'm keeping um, it in. I am keeping all this in. No, you're not. No, you don't. I guarantee you when this comes out, I'm going to be listening for this part and it's not going to be there. IMDb. No. <laughs> A woman discovers the newly resurrected, partially formed body of her brother-in-law. He's a little that bit more than she that. she was fucking. <laughs> she starts killing Violently. for him to, to revitalize his body so he can escape the demonic beings that are pursuing him. And again, we give INDB a lot of shit. And that's this is another time that we could we could do that because that's a fucking horrible synopsis. Yeah, because absolutely nothing else happens in this movie. Give me a fucking break, INDB. You're the worst. <laughs> That's terrible. It was just her brother-in-law. They just had a really great relationship. You know, they were very good They're friends. They're just really good friends. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's all that happens. Uh, this movie stars Andrew Robinson as Larry. I really do like Andrew Robinson. He's been in some really, really good I stuff. I love Larry. Yep. Claire Higgins. I recognize him, but I don't know where I've seen him from, but I know that I love his face. Yeah, exactly. Just face. Just a friendly man face. Yeah. I th I think that he was in some 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 other horror stuff where he was a crazy person. I oh no, and I know what it was. I'm pretty sure Andrew Robinson, and the listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he was in a Dirty Harry movie as the villain. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll have guys. to. I get it. He could yeah, totally be, to, be a villain. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I'm going to look that up after this, but I'm pretty sure that was him. All right, uh, Claire Higgins as Julia. And, oh, we love Claire Higgins in this oh, movie. Oh, Julia. Ashley no, Lawrence as... <laughs> it was some good hair. It was some good hair. Best hair. Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty. Sean Chapman as Frank. Oliver Smith as Frank. Frank, Frank you. Frank the Monster. Of course, the very very famous iconic doug bradley as the lead cinnabite now i'm gonna do it correctly lead cinnabite in this movie and he became pinhead later i mean what do you what do you think about that name i this is again i'm going outside of my notes in here but what do you think about the name pinhead it's always kind of been weird to me i don't like it i think it cheapens him i've never liked the name pinhead i wish that he had something a little bit better I think that all of the Cenobites deserved a little bit better. But I don't think that when they made this movie, they were expecting it to become as iconic as it has. Yeah. I mean, no. this is required viewing for yeah. anybody trying to learn anything about horror or broaden their horror horizons. I mean, everybody has to see this movie, whether you are into this shit or not. I mean, this movie is fucked as far as like gore and all of that shit goes. Fuck. Ew. This movie's disgusting. I have to watch it. <laughs> and I love the backstory on this movie as far as Clive Barker is concerned, directing, you know, because he's the author of the novella that this is based on, The Hellbound Heart. And there were a couple other films that were made on his movies and he fucking hated them. So he's like, all right, nope, I'm doing it myself. And I, I, I love that. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's just metal AF. Now you you read Hellbound Heart, or I did listened to the audiobook. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, how similar is this? 
to the book? It's pretty similar. Uh, We'll get into that. We'll get into some of the differences in in the book and the movie, but it's pretty similar. Uh, There there are some some notable changes, but again, we can't hate on that because the director is the one who wrote the damn book. So, uh, you know, I mean, he he did it his way. And um, there are some things that I think could have been translated better, but um, we'll, we'll get it. We'll, we'll get in creator on the planet will be critical. And if they get an opportunity, will change. I think every single episode of ours that I listen to, my God, I just think, my God, if I could change that one 30 second part, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I get it. Oh, I wish I had said that differently. I wish I'd phrased that differently. So I good on you, Clive Barker. Right. Yes. Direct your little film. Yeah. Badass fucking Clive Barker. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's get into the movie. Yeah, we'll, it's because we'll... you like that shit, you pervert. <laughs> and speaking of pervert, let's get into the movie. No. <laughs> uh, so Hello, this, Frank. this opens in a marketplace where Frank purchases the puzzle box. And it's it's kind of a wonky start, but I do really like the line because he's going back and forth between this vendor and he pays him for the thing and then the the vendor is like it's always been yours which oh my god give, gave me chills it doesn't give me chills it is just having seen it so many times now it is one it's always been yours is just a endlessly quotable b you might think you're quoting them ironically, bitch. You're not. It's fucking funny. Okay, it's good. That is one of the first. It's always been yours. Oh, fuck off. I I I love it. I no, love no, no, no. it. I'm not saying that I don't. I'm just saying that that's this movie. Mm, gross. Love it. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, ah, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the other lines in this, but yeah, that's the first and one. That... Frank, by the way, how bad are you trying to hurt? Yeah, well. In hell. So, okay, we'll, we'll get into this. So this is the first kind of deviation between the book and the movie where uh-huh. uh, it kind of goes into the backstory of Frank in the novella. So you kind of get this idea that he has experienced and you you know, you get a little bit of this in the movie, but it's like he has experienced a ridiculous amount of sex and violence and all this stuff. And, you know, he's just searching for more. And because of that tattoo on his back. Yeah. Well, part of it, part of the ta- part of it is the tattoo on his back. <laughs> but you know you you get the sense of who frank is and what what he's gone through in in the book and it it in the book it turns out that he's kind of not tricked but he has an idea of what the puzzle box is going to give and it's not what he ends up receiving and it's the the opening for the book is so much longer and you know it goes into his thoughts what he's dealing with you know in the movie we just get like oh he's hooked and he gets torn apart and you know but in the in the the novel we get like what he's feeling what he's going through all the fear that that he deals with when he realizes what he's done fear and titillation uh it's titillation at first because if it if it 
if it goes into a little bit more detail in the book, here's what I don't understand. This guy wants to get fucked up. Right. Buy a box. That's kink on top of kink. Okay. Bless. Frank. Get it. We're good. In the novella, it was a novella, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. it's it's pretty short. I think it's like 100, and, 100 pages, 120 pages, something like that. Okay. Okay. So in the novella, you're saying it goes into more detail. When in the novella does it go from excitement to fear? Yeah, I've, I've never read it. I'm curious. I love to hear about the differences between books and movies when I haven't read the books. Yeah, so it's the novella. This opening is really frightening, and I love the the opening of the movie. It's 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 pretty good, but I think it's pretty. It's also pretty brief, uh, where he just it's gets Exorcist esque to me. But in the in the novella, you get like I said, you get this whole sense of what Frank is going through, and he has this expectation of what's going to happen. There's going to be all these buxom neck, naked ladies and, you know, he's going to be able to inflict his dominance upon them. He doesn't realize, mm. he doesn't realize it, Frank. exactly that it's coming the other direction. So he realizes that he's about to get fucked. <laughs> and he's into it. Um, but he does like, it's, it's <laughs> such like a sensory experience that he ends up ejaculating onto the floor, um, which we kind of get in this movie, but it's more pronounced in the in the book. Uh, but it's it's to a point that it's not enjoyable for him. Is it Julia that walks into the room and the rats are chewing on the pile of white? The boot or the the blood from from Larry who just basically saws his hand off on this on this nail. <laughs> like, How far into a nail across the back of your fucking hand do you have to be before you fucking move your hand? Who gives a fuck about the mattress in your hand? Drop the fucking mattress. There's like 18 other people carrying this bitch. And you're just like, ah! <laughs> No. Just, like you are dragging your entire fucking body across this fucking nail. Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, like you get a prick and you move your shit. Okay. You already can't get this fucking mattress up the stairs. Why the fuck are you still holding on to it? It's stuck. Pivot. It is literally stuck. Pivot. You guys, pivot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that this is what I'm talking about. So, yeah, like I said, he basically saws his damn hand off and bleeds all over the floor, and that kind of rejuvenates Everywhere. what, yeah, exactly what has gone before. And then Frank comes from, comes from <laughs> what has been laid laid down in, in a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal effect. Uh, what, what did you think? And we've already like kind of delved into a little bit of these special effects, but what did you think about like that regeneration scene? I really feel like I have to maybe change. Um, it's not that I don't like gore. I'm critical. I've never liked it, but I feel like the more you're exposing me to like it's not that i don't like it it's just it has to be good this regeneration scene the fact that no special effects were used 
is mind fucking blowing. Like this is, and I, and I, I made a point to check, um, it, this is a horror movie. So of course they didn't win. I really would love to know who won the visual effects Oscar the year that this movie was released, because I cannot picture another movie. Honestly, from, from what I've seen, okay, don't at me, um, from anywhere in the eighties, that the effects were so good. This scene where he regenerates out of the floor and up through the floor and becomes like a figure breathtaking this is one of those scenes that as a horror fan you think to yourself how do more people not love horror how could you not love to watch this art this is actual art on my screen mm -hmm. it's amazing this is fucking amazing. A person or a group of people, small group of people created this entire fucking everything and brought it to life. Yeah, there's something almost transcendent when Frank okay. comes from the boys. <laughs> his little, his little uh... <laughs> love pile on the floor little soldiers no uh but there's <laughs> there's almost something transcendent about that shot when he raises up and it's just like ah when his and arms that, come up yeah and then it cuts uh. away yeah there's a couple of things in here that are just horrifying just absolutely horrifying that's one of them and the dream that kirsty has now it doesn't oh uh. i i i, I get I, I get that it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the story, but that dream where the blood just starts to come up and there's the babies crying, I don't know what it is, but that just gets under my skin so mm. bad. I have chills. I have chills thinking about that. That is one of the most disturbing without actually being disturbing scenes, I think, in horror history. Yeah, there's just something off. There's something really, really off about it. Anytime you see a covered body, and you hear disembodied babies wailing. And you also know that it's a dream that you're in and a bitch is covered in feathers. Mm, mm -mm, no, no, ma'am. That's a fucked up scene. Yeah, I agree with you. That is extremely disturbing. That's not right. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You're right. You're right. It's not. It's not not right. Um, and then so Frank comes back. We've already talked about that. And Julia decides that she still wants to bone this desiccated talking corpse. And so they no come up. Shame. They they come up with a plan. And what what is that plan, Gabby? Um, she is going to bring in some men's and she's gonna murder the fuck out of them. And then as soon as they're murdered and bleeding, Frank is just going to slither and slimy and like goopy and like sticky later. Cause you know that later on before he took Larry's form, like, you know, that shit was sticky as fuck and it smelled and he stunk and he was gross and he was half formed. And as soon as she would kill a bitch, he would drink the 
fucking blood out of that motherfucker. I bet he got bone marrow too because he sucked that shit down. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He did. Um, and I love like the approach to this where she's just going to the bar and then she brings random guy back to the back to the thing. And, and is it, also British. Right, because this is shot in England. How, uh, how bad do you feel for that guy, though? I don't... You think... To me, I didn't know that until you just said this, that it was shot in England. That this guy, and in my head, he's like, oh, I'm traveling to America. Here's this giant banged mulleted bitch over here just drinking alone, sunglasses on. I'm trying to get that. And so he does. And he has a room, but she's like, no, I have a place. And he's like, whatever to get it. <laughs> and like, I mean, like, how bad did you feel for that guy? But like, he thought he had like a brethren and he was excited to, you know, just. I don't, I don't feel bad for this guy at all. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. So, so. I, I understand following your penis, but you show up in this house and you go to this fucking creepy ass attic or wherever they're, they're, they were. There's no furniture and <laughs> you just think that everything is fine. No, fuck you. You deserve to die. <laughs> I will say as a female, we are we are so programmed that like everything is a red flag. And it's so funny to me watching this. And a lot of movies like this, a lot of movies, this isn't the only movie that bad shit happens to just guys who are trying to get laid. Um, and more power to you, more power yeah, to you. Yeah, but hey, get it. We're not mad. So Kirsty stumbles upon what Frank <laughs> and Julia have going on and she throws the damn puzzle box out the window and then ends up in the hospital. A and mental hospital. Exactly. And then we are first, not first introduced to the Cenobites because we get hints of them earlier on, but it's the first actual time that we are shown them in all of their glory with the most easily solved puzzle box in the history of mankind. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's literally, I mean, I'm like dying right now. <laughs> it's literally push down salt like you push down a part and then the centibite goes away and then you push down a part and then a centibite goes away like this is like the most ridiculous fucking anything that I've ever seen in my entire life that like and and I love I do love the actress Ashley something what is her last name Ashley Lawrence she was so fucking charming on Joe Bob. It literally raises up, push it back down. Have you never done anything? This is the age of the fucking Rubik's Cube. Turn it. Thanks. Bye. But I love her. She has the best face, baby face. Yeah, it's just like a, a quarter turn and then it <laughs> it's yeah. salt. Yeah, like literally click, click. Like, click it over, click it down. You got rid of clacky teeth. What, what, what's your opinion on, I mean, 
obviously the makeup is is fantastic but as far as like character and everything what do you what do you think about the the cenobites when they show up in the mental hospital they had to show up at some point and i think that if you saw this movie after the release date you knew what this movie was going to be whether you knew how it was going to happen or what was going to happen or whatever um you spend the entire movie waiting for the cenobites and so when they show up in the hospital i feel like you're ready because yeah. you know that you're getting toward the end you know that shit's going down and you know that kirsty has the the box so I don't know that I thought really much of anything. I mean, like if you're asking my opinion on the different Cenobites themselves, obviously Pinhead is the best, but not if you watch this movie. And I don't know because I've never seen any of the fucking sequels. Did I? Did I ever watch a sequel with you? Okay. I've never seen a sequel to this because I don't care about it enough. Pinhead's face gaps at the neck. Have you ever noticed that? No, I did. I didn't notice in it this at all. first film. You'll notice it next time you watch. Um, his is actually the worst, except for that weird worm, dick, head, like neck, giraffe, snake Ch thing. Chat chatterer, yeah. Not chatterer. Is chatterer the one that just clacks his teeth? Yeah, yeah that's chatterer. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the worm guy. Okay, the other one. Yeah, I don't know what you his know name what is, but about? yeah, he doesn't have a name. He's just the dick worm. <laughs> <laughs> dickworm <laughs> dickworm um other than dickworm i think that pinhead's makeup is actually kind of the worst in this original maybe it's it gets better later but it's not that good in this one you can see you can see his mask around his neck and around his chin if you watch it closely and you know that i pay attention to clothes i pay attention to hair i pay attention to makeup it was very obvious to me when i was watching it today that it was like i hope doug bradley gets better because doug bradley's amazing yeah but well these these first makeup artists kind of did a little dirty and i think there's something to be said for watching something in high definition when back in the day it was you know vhs and darker and all that stuff. I think I'll, I don't have high definition, do I? Yeah, it, it's all in in high definition now. If you're watching, if you're watching Hellraiser right now, it's it's in high definition. So I have flat screen. Yeah. So I think back in the day it was covered up, probably a little bit, a little bit more. But we do get. This is where ninety percent of the best lines of the film come in. Preach. I fucking love this scene so they they come in and we're introduced and you know so kirsty's like who are you and and pinhead is like demons to some angels to other which is great i mean that's that's fucking phenomenal and then she's crying he's like no tears it's a waste of good suffering this is this is my this is my inebriated pinhead i guess but and then the the best thing <laughs> Ever. Pinhead does get a little slurry when you quote him, and I like it. <laughs> yeah. So the female Cenobite says, if you 
like trick us or try to deceive us. I forget what she says. And then it pauses for a second. And then we get the fucking line where Pinhead's like, we'll tear your soul apart. It's amazing. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> How many films have you seen in your life that are endlessly quotable, but like this film, not endless, endlessly quotable until the end all of the amazing quotes for this movie come from the end but there are so many quotes ah oh, jesus wept we're not there yet he gets he gets pulled apart not without the suspense of frank larry is chasing after kirsty and she goes into the spare room and she's hiding in that little crack between the wall and the couch. Mm -hmm. And that corpse comes out and its mouth vomits out all those fucking maggots. Ew. So this is our opportunity. I don't like a bug. <laughs> no, I, I get that. You don't like bugs. You don't like vomit, especially spiders uh, as, as well. What if there was a movie that had spider vomit? Oh, that would be... <laughs> that I won't would, do it. I won't do it. <laughs> that would be the best. Nope. All right. So here's our, here's our opportunity to talk about Frank because this is the iconic line when Kirsty finally finds out that Larry is Frank when he's like, come to daddy. And it's so creepy. It's just so creepy. Those are the things I care about. Keep going. <laughs> so you don't, you don't care. the worst fight. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. But yeah, I mean, he's just just a completely reprehensible character. And he does such a good job with this role. Has he done other things? Do you know? Are you familiar with this actor who played Frank? Like, no, do you I'm not, know a lot I, about him? I'm, I'm not. I, I, haven't, I haven't looked it up. But I mean, hopefully he plays more crazy characters because it's good. With that hair? Yeah. He could have gone... All the way to the top of the USA Network. Yeah. <laughs> the USA Network. Were not great. Or Lifetime. But. No. We get. Uh, so we get this. This ending where Frank is pulled apart. And the third act is both amazing and not so great at the same time. Because that scene is fucking awesome. Yeah. And, you know, tr in true Frank form. When he's starting to get pulled apart, he does that thing where he just licks his lips. He's like, and it's just yeah. so gross. Frank, you're so gross, but do I tingle? I don't know. And then, how bad? Okay, so this is a bone I have to pick with this movie. In an S&M situation. You have the S, you have the M. He's both. That's a unicorn. Yeah. I don't think that there are a lot of S and M characters or people or uh, fetishists in life that are one or the other. You're one or the other. Like you're not. Yeah, I could be this or I could be that. I mean, you really have to fucking love pain. Which, by the way, who hurt you? 
to literally get torn apart twice and still be smiling and licking those lips again. Yeah. Mm, with that full ass Stamos mullet. Get it, full house. That scene is incredible. Yeah. Jesus whipped. It's oh, oh my, my God. So, mm. so good. It's so good. Ooh, fucking pervert. That's probably where the movie should should have ended. And but we get, you know, the final battle between Kirsty and the Cenobites where she just closes the box on them and they just end up disappearing, which I don't think is as strong as what happened before it. And I think it kind of that part takes away. But what what did you think about the ending? You didn't have to fucking show us trapping every single fucking Cenobite. We get it. You trap one, you trap two. Every single time you turn your little clicker and press down, you're killing another Cenobite. We don't need the whole drama of all of it. Bitch, after the fucking second one, you know there's going to be another one coming out because you met every single fucking one of them at the hospital. All of it. All of it. This this entire fucking climax is just like, Kirsty. you're not as crazy as they said you were when they committed you. Stop it. Click switch it's not that fucking i just did it with my hands Welcome. yeah they they def, definitely should have ended with that but they 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 go you're right it's not the strongest ending in the world no uh, it's terrible nobody cares before we get into our ratings though is there any any final thoughts or anything else that you want to talk about before we uh before we rate this film can we talk about and i don't know I'm sure there is none. What is the significance of she's laying on the couch with Larry watching the boxing that Larry's like, oh, babe, you don't like violence. And she's like, "Mm, yes, I do. And her hair is flat, right? It's flat and it's just whatever. And when she first bangs Frank, her hair is flat. Every single time she gets a man, a a random that mullet just goes up 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 an inch by an inch by an inch (laughs) and her hair is just like surrounding and then on top of the fact that she has got this fucking mile high mullet can we discuss for a moment the fucking shoulder pads damn she took that 80s power bitch to new fucking levels because not only was she wearing the fucking shoulder pads, she was fucking triangular. Then she had on the ill-fitting, nobody looked good in that shape, sunglass frames. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And she wore kitten fucking heels. I mean, actually, I think this is something that a lot of people will not touch on when they move into the house in the beginning of the movie when larry brings her to the house and he's like we're gonna live here now and she's like this is old this is gross this is dirty i don't like this she is a manhattan fucking professional woman of the 80s she has a fucking mullet she wears shoulder pads she is not trying to live in the suburbs She's not trying to do all of these things. She's already fucking miserable when the movie starts. 
not even because of the fact that she's miserable because she's in love with his fucking masochistic fucking brother. It's just the fact that like, this is not my identity. And so to see like her descent into madness, but she still saves her physical, her aesthetic identity. That's actually kind of a big deal. Because other movies that you see where the antagonist or, you know, the main character, they descend and they become worse and worse or they become somebody different. And, you know, with becoming somebody different, it involves a change of hair. It involves a change of clothes. It involves a change of environment. None of that happens with Julia. The only change that happens is in her head. When she goes from that first fucking time that she fucking kills that guy And she's so scared and she's so shaky and she's so freaked out. And I can't believe I did that toward the end of the movie where she's smiling when she fucking hammers a guy and she doesn't need to go to the ladies room and she doesn't need to bathe after killing somebody. She can just wipe her shit off with a fucking hanky. But nothing about her outward appearance changes. That is actually super effective. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Two people who pay attention to it. Yeah. I mean, you you obviously don't, you just said, but I mean, like to somebody like me, it's like, oh, how many sociopaths are out there? Right. You and know? I did I didn't notice, you know, the the like appearance or the clothing or anything like that, but I did recognize the transition, oh, like the flip. And and yeah. it is, it's it's brilliantly done. It's it's amazing. Uh, this the, she's a fabulous actress oh yeah incredible yeah. so on a scale of one to five what are you giving hellraiser three and a half three and a half that's that's a, that is a good that is a very good score on a scale and i'm right there i'm right there with you i'm very close it just just slightly slightly higher for me i'm at a four out of five on this and i think the only detraction is that ending the 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 ending when it gets just a little bit silly i i I don't care for that but the rest of the film like i said it just impacts me to this day it's incredible i love it this movie is mush it's all of all of the ingredients and we're not even going to try to fucking make a recipe we're just going to mash them together and think that it's going to taste good like this is mush yeah this is gruel yeah yeah i i agree i agree and funnily enough uh you know we, we get some we, we get some of that we did put this out like i said on on our social media to ask what you guys's opinions were and we had several several opinions on this travis poston says julia was the true villain in this fabulous and classic horror film Dewey Pop Monster says, I get why people love the franchise, but it's not for me. And I, I get that. It's not it's not for everyone. Movies for Days says, wildly iconic, impressive effects that still look great today. Sexy, gritty, grimy, and dangerous. Perfect creature design and acting from the whole cast. The score rips as well. And that's something we didn't talk about, but the music in this movie is phenomenal. And he says, I never get tired of this movie. Half price Ooh, horror. Love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're not mad about it. Nope, not, not at all. 
Not at all. Half Price Horror. Yeah, this is really well thought out. He says, a misunderstood classic. Despite the title, the Cenobites have nothing to do with hell, which is true. Their evil isn't about punishment. They honestly think they're doing BDSM and the cruelty comes from the lack of real informed consent. What? Half Price Horror? Are you fucking kidding? You just fucking exploded my brain. Ross from Witchfinders General says, relies on the shock and fear of some taboos that aren't shocking anymore. So its attempt at edginess feels a little dated. Frank scared the shit, of me, shit out of me as a kid, though. Absolutely, yeah. Frank. <laughs> That's terrifying. Frank was intimidating. He's a dog, says. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, my goodness. He was he was so awful. Isadon says, love it. Costumes, lighting, makeup are fantastic. I also found it super interesting that there's an argument of how there aren't any real victims. The torture is consensual and no one is actually prevented from leaving. No, Larry and Kirsty are victims. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Every single person that is brought into that murder room is a victim. Love you, Isadon, but no. I, I get where you're coming from. Frank and Julia, they are not victims at all. This is what they wanted. This is what they were after. Yeah. Um, But there are a lot of victims in this movie. Keep going. I agree. I agree. Um, finally. Yeah. Dice- no. Not being a dick. I'm just saying. Yeah. I disagree. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. Uh, dissect that film. Final one says, after watching it for the first time last year, which is awesome, I came to one conclusion. This okay, mo- we're in the same place. Yeah. This movie is horny as hell, no pun intended. Preach, <laughs> <laughs> it is. So that is that is it. We got through Hellraiser. And if you would like to follow us, if you would like, like the others to comment on anything that we do, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Woods Podcast One, download our Slasher app and follow us at Podcast in the Woods. And also you can uh, support the show. We don't own Slasher. You can (laughs) download the Slasher app and talk to us at slasher.tv slash podcast in the woods. Boomer, we've had <laughs> Slasher for like a year. And if you would like to support the show in a more meaningful way, you can also support us on Patreon at Woods Podcast or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. We would absolutely, absolutely love that. It helps the show so much. Thank you guys for listening. And it's been one sexy time tonight. And that is it for us. So say good night, Gabby. Damn. Good night, guys, and until next time, stay sexy.